is Samira Lewis and you are listening to the Chatting in the City podcast. As I've always said before, this podcast is an initiative from the VTrax Lab and also known as Vulnerability, Trauma, Resilience and Culture Laboratory at the University of Ottawa to explore mental health in the Black community. Um, the podcast is a part of a larger Beacon Hill project, which is funded by the Public Health Agency of Canada. Welcome Welcome everyone to another episode. We are glad that you are all enjoying all the other podcasts and episodes um, in the previous months. Um, and as I always say, another month and an- another day to improve our mental health. If I did not mention this before, my colleague Lissy Zusu and I are the social mobilizers at the VTrack Lab, and we're so excited to dive into today's topic, um, especially when we wrapped up our last episode on mental health of, you know, the celebrities and the Black communities and et cetera, what it's like and how um, they often deal with that. However, in this episode, in today's episodes, we're going to dive um, div, dive deeper into the realm of motherhood and talk a little bit about um, Durant Half. So I'm going to let my colleague um, introduce our guest for today's podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Samira. So, everyone, um, Daphne is our speaker today. Daphne Atis Joseph is an administrative assistant at the National Research Council Canada. She has a great deal of experience in project and technical support, client relationship management, research and data entry, translation, sorry, and reporting, recordings management, and account management. She's a mother of two beautiful daughters. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Daphne Aziz Joseph. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So our first question for you is, um, what's the most rewarding and difficult thing about motherhood? Well, definitely the most rewarding thing is just just like seeing your kids, like you wake up in the morning and just their smile when they run up to you, when they say, I love you, they give you the, like the, like the biggest hugs um, and everything. And that's like one of the most like re- rewarding things, even hearing them cry, like right now, it's tough. That's so, it's, um, it's like, it's so nice to hear those little sounds and just knowing that you have those little humans that love you unconditionally. And when you go through pregnancy and when you give birth and then you hold them in your arms and you're just like, wow, like this being grew inside of me, like, you know, like I did that. And so, yeah, like, just like seeing them, it's definitely like, it's so rewarding, like the best gift of life. Um, Definitely. It does come with its challenges. Of course, like you have to, you lose sleep. It's not all about you anymore. Everything like it's about them. Like when you wake up in the morning, you would say like, I, I think of myself, but no, like you think of them, like you wake up when they wake up or as soon as they cry, you don't think of yourself of like eating first. It's like, no, I have to feed them first. Like everything. It's like, they need to be taken care of first and foremost. So there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to do in terms of that. Like you can't just get up and go out anymore. You have to think of it's like, okay, somebody has to watch my kids or you know what? No, I can't go out or no, I have to have to go out with them. You have to plan all of that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, 
you know, they become dependent on you. So you have your whole life revolves around them. So there's definitely a few challenges that comes with that. But like I said, it's, you just look at them and it's all worth it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I'm always so encouraged when um, you talk about that because I know it's not everyone that um, you get to, I guess, I, I would say choose to always look on the bright side of things. Um, and as you were um, speaking about how um, there has been just this shift of just personal, like personally your life, and as well as, you know, with your family and other things, how um, they're more dependent on you and how you have to basically make sure that everything is taken care of. I was thinking as a mother um, in the Black community, how do you manage or balance out really like your mental health and making sure that, okay, I, I need to make sure as well, like I'm doing okay so that I can be well for my children. So definitely my best advice, like you need like a circle, you need a support system. And I didn't always get it right. Like my first, my first pregnancy with all the hormones and everything, like, you know, you get super emotional. You do get sometimes into some, like some dark places, even after birth, especially after birth with postpartum depression, which is something not everybody is, you know, open to admit. It's like, I went through that, but I feel like it's a normal thing. It's okay to go through that. And I did go through that. There are many moments when with my firstborn where I would be sitting down and you just have like like tears coming down of your, your eyes and you wonder if you're doing everything right. And then again, you look at them, you're like, no, like she needs me. Like I'm doing this right. Like she loves me um, and everything. And what I've learned is that it's always like good to have somebody to talk to. Like you, you're going to find somebody that can either relate, somebody that's going to be able to give you that shoulder to cry on, to give you that support, to give you that advice. And I was so happy that in my community, I was able to find people like that, whether it was friends or family, people that would just like always um, give you that, like those, that encouragement, that support um, and everything. So like, there's many times where I was down and, you know, I would, I was told it's like, listen, just get up, put some makeup on your face and be happy (laughs) and be happy and stuff. Or like, you know what, the kid matter matters first, everything else comes second. So I was so happy to have like those people, like, you know, around me. And when it came to my second, obviously like it was a little bit better because I went through that first experience So now again, still having that support um, and then having like, you know, my husband who again went through that experience with me and has a better understanding on how things like, you know, how work, how, because we went through it the first time and now we're going through it the second time. So, you know, I'm blessed that he was there as well. And we were able to go through this together um, and stuff. So definitely I'm what I would strongly advise again, just having that circle, just even like when you're pregnant, try to find those people in advance to ask them to be around you just in case you get into a dark place or you're super down, just that way they can come and encourage you, support you and just have a wellness check like with you, because sometimes as a mom with all the hormones, you're tired, so many things are going on. Sometimes your mind doesn't really think like straight about taking care of yourself. So that's why it's good to have other people to be like your eyes on the outside. So yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know you um, kind of mentioned postpartum depression and that there are still a lot of stigmas today. I personally feel like around it and people are not really encouraged or don't feel comfortable to talk about it. And it's the same thing with, for example, um, even breastfeeding in public. I know it's very stigmatized still today. So mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like into our next question, which is um, as we um, pay attention to all the narratives that we see in society that often um, portrays um, regarding mothers and motherhood, um, do you ever feel or ever felt pressured by these and standards? Oh, def- definitely. I won't lie, especially with the world of social media and you see like what motherhood looks like on social media. And then you just think it's like, oh, that's going to be me or I'm, that's going to be my experience. And you learn very quickly. It's like, no, that cannot be my experience because you don't have the same life as those social media influencers. They don't have the same, maybe the same support system as you. They don't have the same social status as you. And so I feel like you, you can't help but look at this, you're like, and imagining like, this could be you, you're going to do this. And you keep hearing, especially like these new ways of parenting. It's like, no, this is how you're supposed to do. No, this old way of parenting is not good. Like all of this, it does put a lot of pressure. But what I've learned is that, listen, as long as my kid is fed, loved, sleeps, healthy, that's all that matters. Cause nobody can parent like me. You have to do what works for you and it's okay to 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 feel that pressure because you can't control how you feel but then you always have to remind yourself it's like listen you're the mom you know your kids best so you do what you feel is right because listen if you're going to listen or pay attention to everything social media says about motherhood and parenting you you're going to feel like you're not doing your job but that is so not the case yeah mm-hmm. and i love that you mentioned social media because i personally feel like there are so many different like instances where people will even judge the way people are educating their own kids where you're not there so it's a bit funny when you see all the comments and they're like giving advice when you don't know that person and like and I always find it very weird so um I don't know if that happened or do uh if you had um instances where that happened but uh for you when negative situation arise um how do you personally cope with um the reality and maybe that um, it's not what you imagine at the first place because I know that I mean for me I don't have any kids and I know that sometimes people can like idolize motherhood and then when you have kids it's not necessarily what you imagine so um, that was um, the question um, how do you cope with um, that reality that is I guess like in my case it's like how I coped with it was through reflection and prayer to be honest because Um, like I'm very, really, um, spiritual person and I always like go to prayer and I tell myself like this happened because God wanted it this way. Like, because again, like during my first pregnancy, again, through social media and what you see, you're like, okay, this is how pregnancy is. These are the symptoms I'm going to have. These are the cravings I'm going to have. And this is how I'm going to deal with it. This is going to be my birth plan. I'm going to have the baby shower. I'm going to have like everything that was 
not not the case like actually like i in my case like my my kids are both born prematurely so i did not do the whole like nine months i did not have the maternity shoots that i wanted because they came early i didn't have like like for my first one we didn't have like that baby shower you show up all pretty with the belly and everything like i didn't i didn't have like like all of that but like for me at the end of the day, when I look back, I'm like, you know what? This was my own individual pregnancy experience, like for both cases. And it belongs to me. Like I shouldn't have to compare myself to other mothers to say, this is exactly how my experience should be because no, like everybody is supposed to have their own experience. Everybody, everybody's health body, it's all different. So that's how I like was able to kind of like deal and manage that. It's just like going back and thinking it's like, my pregnancy experiences are unique to me and that's what makes them so special. And that's exactly what I'm going to tell my, my kids when they grow up, when they ask me about like their birthing stories and everything, at least I'll know that they, they're special stories and they'll be able to like, you know, to tell the world and, you know, it'll be special to them. Yeah. I really appreciate that um, perspective, how um, instead of, you know, looking to see how how can I fit into you know being this mother of that's on social media that clearly like you mentioned doesn't have the right the same context as I am doesn't have the same support system doesn't have the same you know access to resources and stuff like that how 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 do I shift you know my perspective and seeing that okay no like this is my personal um birth and pregnancy story and motherhood story and that's how it's gonna be and just act and just focusing on okay like how can this situation get better not to not to necessarily okay I'm gonna I want to replicate what I see on social media but how do I focus on my situation I think that's a good perspective one thing that I didn't mention is and that I was thinking about is throughout the pandemic how the how did um for you that that um um motherhood has changed versus um how it was before was there any uh was the process of transitioning to the um the pandemic with um you know motherhood and everything how was that process was it difficult was it was it not was it it was it was it not as bad as you thought it would have been um regarding like that process and stuff um, definitely the pandemic like changed a lot of things because my first pregnancy was not during a pandemic. So in a way, you know, you had like more freedom to, to do things. My husband was able to be more present into like the ultrasound appointments and everything like, you know, going shopping for these little things, like you were able to do that. And then when I got pregnant for the second time and it was during the pandemic, didn't have all of that freedom. My husband was not able to be at any of my appointments. And so he missed out on all of these ultrasounds. So he was only able to experience it through um, the pictures that I would come back home with. Like, that's it. Um, I wasn't able to, you know, hang out with friends or just be able, again, like sometimes you want, just want to talk, hang with friends, just like to, you know, uh, like in French, to change les idées, um, because it's a lot of pressure. Because at that time, I had also because of the pandemic, I had like lost my job. So then you learn that you're pregnant, you lose your job. So you have all of this happening. So 
then again, from a financial standpoint, like during a pandemic, we have to think about that. But I'm so happy that, like my husband said, don't worry about it. It's like, I got you. So he supported all of us during that time. Um, another thing the pandemic like took away, of course, I couldn't have like, you know, an in-person baby shower. So it had to be like virtual. Um, I couldn't just, um, you know, go, especially when things were closed down and you were, uh, you were told to stay at home. So it's not like we, I can go see family like that again, just to have a fun time, just to relax a little bit. Uh, giving birth to there's all of these rules like you can't have visitors and again because my baby was born prematurely uh she had to stay in the hospital so i had to stay in the hospital so spending that whole week with no visitors you're by yourself so that was it got pretty lonely um and stuff again i'm still blessed that i have a healthy baby but um definitely with this pandemic like it definitely made me have a lots of alone time that I did not expect to have compared to my first one when you had that physical support but I'm here I'm blessed we got through it and baby's here and she's all healthy and super hyper and everything so at least there's that (laughs) absolutely absolutely I think again like um I think one thing is to think about how there will always be some type of like challenges in terms of reflection to um, always reevaluate and stuff like that. And so I think um, just having, having a more open mindset because the pandemic happened, no one could have predicted such things, you know, other things will happen in your life that you can't necessarily predict, but having the open mindset that, okay, yes, this happened to me, but how we, how are we going to um, go about this? Um, one um, one other thing is um, I know in the United States as well as even in the UK, there's a little bit more research done into that. Um, and um, I know as well as in um, the Anxiety and Depression Assist- uh, Association of America states this also that in the United States, Black women are three times more likely to die from childbirth and as well as Black infants are two times more likely to die before um, their first birthday. And they mentioned that they often suffer from, you know, the Black women, they often suffer from um, a lack of access to medical care that can result into a lot more and just combating multiple and multiple um, mental health challenges. Now, in our context in Canada, there's not that much research that's done into um, that area, let alone talking about the mental health um, of mothers in our community. But while listening to um, or reading a a report about it, um, Vic Adopia, uh, which is a senior reporter with the health unit at the CBC um, News Reports, um, was talking a little bit about the myths and challenges, kind of what you were mentioning with the stigmas and stuff like that. He was stating that um, a Toronto-based midwife, um, Shane Robinson, said that there's a myth really that Black women experience experience less pain than white women. And I just wanted to know... um, you know, just a little bit of your thoughts on that, because um, you did mention about, you know, your birth experience and your pregnancy and, um, you know, pre-pan- uh, 
pre-pandemic and during the pandemic as well. Um, if you had ever experienced such tragedy where um, there there was a lot of um, stigmas um, just regarding like, you know, you yourself as a Black woman that, oh, okay, well, you know, you're a Black you're a black woman you don't need to you know uh get any like type of epidural or anything to uh, alleviate the pain and stuff like that since it does happen just because the research is not done in canada does not mean those stories are not um a reality yeah so me um personally so it was during my my second pregnancy because i did hear about this whole like like myth, it's like, for some reason, black women, we tolerate more pain. I mean, maybe, but that shouldn't be, I think in the medical field, they shouldn't use that as like a scale to decide whether a black woman should get a certain type of medication or not for the pain. Cause a woman like knows what she, what she feels and you should listen to her. So me during like my, the sort of my second pregnancy. So again, like ended up at the hospital again, prematurely and everything. And obviously with your second child, like the the labor is like faster. So the pain like went from like zero to a hundred real quick. And I could just like feel like I feel the pain. Like I thought I could tough it out because you try to tough it out, but I couldn't. I'm not superwoman, not like that. So I did ask the nurse for if I could get the epidural, because in my case, I didn't have time to do a birth plan with my OBGYN because again, it was premature. So we didn't have time to get to that point. So I asked if I could get the epidural and then at the time, it's like, I remember she was like, like, no, we can wait. Like the doctor prefers when we wait like a certain, like something, but I was just like feeling like the pain. And I knew if I missed that threshold, like, I wouldn't have been able to get the epidural at all. So I just kept asking and asking. So then it took another nurse to come in and I'm like, let me ask a diff- ask her. And I'm like, can I please have the epidural? Because I remember for my first, the epidural did not go through completely. At the end of the day, I just gave birth like that. It kind of helped because I could feel like, you know, the contraction. So it helped. But it's it's not a it's not the most pleasurable pain ever, even if you give it's the most wonderful thing once you give birth, but it's not the most pleasurable um, thing. So then I asked that nurse if I could get the epidural and she said, yes, like no questions. I didn't have to fight for it. And then so then we go through the process and everything. But I by the time that they gave it to me, to be honest, like I had to push like barely like 30 or 45 minutes later because I was resting and I was still feeling a lot of pressure. And I thought that the epidural was not working. What actually happened is just like all that pressure was the baby ready to come out. So then I just remember, I don't know if it was a nurse or a doctor that says, well, thank God you took the epidural when you did, because the baby's ready to come out. And it's just like, what if I had completely ignored that? Like, I could have missed that window completely. So for me, I'm trying to, sometimes you try to look back, but you're just like, why, why did the first nurse took it upon herself to say like, no, the doctor sometimes wants to wait or anything. It's like, I'm telling you that I'm feeling so much pain right now. Like I went through this before. It's like, like why? And I just hope that there's other women, like they can find that voice. Like if you feel like something's not right, if you feel pain, like 
you have to speak for yourself. And that's something that I even, I mentioned to my husband as well, if ever I am blessed to have another child. And because you keep hearing these stories, especially in the States of women dying during birth when they didn't need to die. I tell him, it's like, please advocate for me. If ever I'm in a condition, I cannot talk. I'm passed out or something. Please advocate for me because if we're not careful, I'm not saying that all doctors are bad. You have some wonderful doctors out there. I have an amazing OBGYN. But what happens if you fall on that one nurse, that one doctor who kind of like, no, no, it's okay, you're fine, and doesn't actually listen to you, and then something bad happens? You know, you can't, some things can't be reversed. So that's why I strongly encourage, like, women, especially Black women, if you feel that something is wrong, speak up say something like fight for it ask your support system to to fight for it because again you know your body more than anybody else so yeah absolutely and i feel like i mean i know every mother's story is different and the experiences are also different i know for my mom um she had um three children i have two siblings don't know what's the best way to put it but um i know she absolutely loved her experience but i've heard other stories about people having only one child child and say that's it that's the only shadow I have, I had a terrible experience. I'm never doing it again. So I know it's a bit different for everyone, but I know um, when we look at the research, as you mentioned, Samira, uh, I know there are still today a lot of biases and conscious biases, still a little bit stigmas, as you mentioned, about Black women and have they have a thicker skin, for example, or they tolerate pain more. So I think it's really important to um, kind of demystify that, um, as you as you said, to uh, have a more inclusive and equal healthcare system. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just, well, I'm really touched by, by, by that testimony that, especially when you mentioned there's some things that cannot be um, reversed. And I, and I, and I really hope that um, uh, like other doctors, nurses, and, and other, you know, just people in general can realize that like this, like this is really like a life and death situation and that there should be more an importance towards listening to the person that, like you mentioned, that's dealing with it. That's, it's the person that's dealing with it, going through the difficulty, going, feeling all the, uh, all the emotions, all the pain and all the contraction and stuff like that. And I think like it's, 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 it is such a miss, uh, miss in our, in our healthcare system, especially for our community that, um, that's that's even a thing to to even con- like just to think about and that's 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 the reality um yeah wow 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 lots lots and lots and more more progress um but before we conclude everything um i know you were uh, mentioning about um just you know making sure and you're encouraging other women other mothers to continue to advocate to speak up for themselves but did you have any other words of encouragement you wanted to um give young women women in general mothers out there that are listening um throughout whether regarding mental health or pregnancy or anything um that you feel um in your heart Um, For me is that just like motherhood in general, it's like, it's 
a beautiful thing. And if you're called out to be a mother, whether through adoption or natural birth or any other types of way to have children, um, just know that sure, you'll have moments that are not always easy. There's moments that you're going to feel tired. You're going to feel that you're not doing a good job. You're going to feel that you're the worst mother in the world. And you can have those frustrating moments, but like, just know that you're not alone. Like, thank God, like there's so many groups out there and I've discovered like whether it's on social media platforms or like, you know, in person, there's so many support groups out there. And then you have also your friends and family, like do not hesitate to reach out for help, whether it's just to talk, whether you just want to have somebody watch your kid for an hour, just so you can take care of yourself. Like that's okay. Like, just don't hesitate to speak out because I feel like a lot, like we mothers, like we say, no, it's my kid. It's my job. I decided this. And then you want to take out everything, you know, yourself, but it's okay to ask for help. Like me, I don't hesitate to ask my husband for help when I can. Like, yes, there's some things I prefer doing, but there are times I'm just like, listen, I just need a moment for myself. Can you please watch your kids, please, <laughs> please, just so I can, just so I can just like pamper myself, just so I can go out, read a book, just so I can eat or something like it's okay. Like you don't have to do everything by yourself. Like there's always like somebody out there to help you support you. And if ever you are going through postpartum depression, do not hesitate to reach out to your OBGYN like, or your family doctor because they also have resources for you because they want to make sure that you're okay as well. And listen, like we, and it's okay not to be okay. Like, listen, I, like I said before, like I've, I've cried, you know, I've cried. I went to some dark places, you know, after birth because it's, it's a lot to go through, but again, I'm so, so happy and blessed that I had people around me too to talk to and to support me. And that's why I'm encouraging everybody to have a support system like during these times, because that's what's gonna help you pull through, truly believe it. Thank you, thank you so much. I mean, I'm not a mother yet and I felt encouraged by that. <laughs> so thank you. Um, thank you so much for, for those um, wise words and thank you everyone. Oh, thank you everyone for um, listening um, to our podcast today. And um, I want to also thank my colleague Leslie as well for being there as well. And our honorable guest, um, Daphne Atis Joseph, for taking the time to share her personal experience. And it's not easy. It's not easy um, being vulnerable like that and authentic. So I really want to thank you for that. Um, and just in general, thank you so much, everyone. Take care and have a great day. See you next time. Thank you.